Hey guys, this is Articulista. In this podcast, our job is to steal and deconstruct ideas from the best books in the world. So, grab a seat and enjoy the first episode titled Why Feeling Connected to the Things You Buy is Natural. Before we start, you can find the written version of the podcast in a medium story just down below or a link in the description section in case you are hearing this from another platform. Title Why Feeling Connected to the Things You Buy is Natural. With a quick search through the web, you can find several blog posts and videos regarding the idea Dispose of your stuff to be mentally free. Though there is a great deal of truth in this kind of narrative, I feel compelled to examine such ideas deeper when I see only the one side of the coin. So, to explore the complexity of the matter, I have gathered three ideas of why we buy so much stuff and why it's reasonable to connect with some things. I tried my best to embed several theories, both spiritual and scientific, to hopefully showcase both sides of the coin. Is ownership an illusion? Eckhart Tolle describes ownership as a mental concept in which everyone agrees with you that you have possession of a particular thing or service. For example, you have paperwork to prove that you own or rent a house. In case you persistently claim that you owed the apartment you rent, the actual owner might laugh at you, thinking you are crazy. Ownership is like a system that is based on millions upon millions of agreements that people make with each other, but the baseline of this extremely useful system consists of nothing more substantial than stories we tell each other and, most importantly, to ourselves. That's the point Tolle makes, the entanglement of self with things, the story that Things are in a way part of who we are. The story that things are in a way part of who you are as a person. So this means that if you want to experience a lessened ego, you will have to sell all your stuff? Well, it's not that simple. The ego, as he puts it in the book A New Earth, is ready to latch itself, not only to things but ideas as well. An individual surrounded by many stuff can be more present compared to a fighter against materialism. The newly crafted identity of someone who sold all the things he or she possessed might be the new beginning of feeling superior to others. The mindset of I am better because all the things I have can become I am better than anyone else because I discarded all my items and now I'm free. I don't want it. I need it. Despite the spiritual explanation above, you might think, there is no illusion. I need a roof over my head, clothes to wear, a car to go to work or a laptop to work from home, etc. According to Maslow's pyramid, you are right. Starting from the bottom of the pyramid, we find the basic psychological needs, food, Water and place to sleep are necessary for survival. Walking our way up, we need a roof over our heads, plus an income to support us. Since we have covered our basic needs, why do we crave more stuff? Aren't we satisfied with what we already have? You and I both that the answer is, of course not. There is something deep inside us that will always want more. What could be the reason for striving for more, even though we have enough? Why we keep buying things all the time? Based on the engaging article of Leo Babauta, buying too much stuff is driven by uncertainty. Obtaining compulsively more and more stuff derives from our need to overcontrol the second pillar of pyramid, safety. From the beginning of recorded history, Homo sapiens had made enormous progress on matters of safety. Human beings are willing to trade off security with every disposable asset they have. Take as an example the pandemic we are facing right now. Most of us are ready to set aside the precious need for human contact for our individual and collective survival. 
Nevertheless, Mr. Babauta's article doesn't refer to the precaution side of safety, rather than the one that ends in feelings of fear, confusion and helplessness. He refers to the habit of wanting to be overly safe no matter the circumstances, unwilling to face uncertainty. That's when the desire for safety becomes problematic, leading to an excess of things. Instead of buying exorbitant amounts of stuff, we should reflect on our inner self and realize that being secure all the time is practically unobtainable. Sometimes we have to go with the flow and adapt while things happen. Quote, adapt to this world, this chance we must take. We will sing our song, we will play our hand. Lyrics from the song, because it's there, Hecken. Within this adaption mode, isn't there any space for things that we don't need but still enjoy owning? How does your brain interpret the object you use? Picture this hypothetical but very likely scenario. You drive yourself to work. In the first intersection you encounter another driver who violates the stop sign and comes at you from the right. Let's suppose that both cars are going relatively slow, hence the possibility of a fatal accident or even a minor injury is down to zero. You hit the brakes and successfully avoid the collision. That, fill the gap, almost hit me. But technically, the responsible driver would probably not have hurt you at all. You both were driving in a moderate speed. If you hadn't taken action immediately, the driver would hit you on the right side of your car. You would be intact. The car would be partially damaged. Human beings tend to unconsciously see the car as an extension of themselves. In a way, when the object is being attacked, the subject feels attacked. Is it possible for the brain to treat external objects as an extension of the body? Based on the research of Miller-Lee, people can perceive touches of a tool using the exact same neural processes with that of detecting a touch on the body. A person can easily feel the texture of a surface while holding another object that touches the surface. Quote, feeling the texture of paper when writing with a pencil or the softness of the dirt when digging into the ground with a shovel. Perhaps the most striking example of this phenomenon, Miller L.E. End quote. In his following study, he proved that sticks can work as a complete sensory extension, using electrodes attached to the brain when the participant localized touches applied in a rod, researchers recorded the outer layer of the cerebrum processes where a tool was touched. Based on the research above, is it too far-fetched of an idea that some things we buy are allowing us to experience something more? Maybe an experience that our own body can't give us, but can happen through us. I'll never forget the first time I drove a small electric car my grandparents bought me when I was young. I felt its polymer wheels rolling against the concrete and advanced through the grass to examine the different sensations I would receive while driving it. What if someone buys a lot of stuff just to experience further sensations? Is it precise and well thought people who enjoy that kind of sensations to be labeled as materialists? As you can understand, things aren't that simple since there are so many variables in play. We have just examined three of them. Plus, labeling people only stirs up conflict and bad emotions than getting into the bottom of things. Summarizing the three ideas. Some stuff you own because you have connected them to who you are as a person, therefore your value is in a way attached to them. Some because you are constantly running away from uncertainty, and other things you feel attached to in your daily life because they give you experiences through and beyond your own body. Thanks to Yanis Georgiadis for the editorial review, written by Articulista, published in The Book Thieves.